Support for this episode comes from SAS. SAS is going all in on AI to help the world get more done with data. See for yourself in Las Vegas, April 16th to 19th at SAS Innovate, the data and AI experience for everyone and every role from top executives to data scientists, engineers, analysts, and more. I'll be there leading a panel discussion about the importance of responsible AI. It's just one of the many sessions that will highlight the massive potential of AI. Visit innovate.sas.com and use the code CARA to save $100 on registration. I'll see you there. Support for Pivot comes from Klaviyo. There are plenty of AI tools out there to help your marketing strategy, but you'd be hard-pressed to find one built like Klaviyo. Klaviyo AI guides you with predictive insights so you can more accurately see what your customers want and when they want it. It uses both real-time and historical data and can make it all make sense for you. That way you can say goodbye to tedious tasks and work smarter. You can join brands including Everyman Jack, who've optimized their marketing strategy and driven more revenue with Klaviyo AI. Klaviyo powers smarter digital relationships. Visit klaviyo.com slash vox to learn more. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash vox. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. Scott Galloway is off again today because all he does is take vacations. But we were lucky to be joined by attorney and contributing columnist at The Washington Post, George Conway. Hello, George. Hello. <laughs> How you doing? Hey, thank you for having me, Kara. No problem. We're trying to like do uh, all these different co-hosts. Uh, this week, we had Stephanie Rule. We've got a lot of people coming up. Um, but I wanted to bring you in. There's lots of news to talk about. And uh, you know sort of the idea of the way the show goes. But I really wanted to talk about legal things with you, obviously. But anything else you want to talk about? People are surprised me in terms of what they're interested in. But let's start a little bit about um, air travel. I just interviewed the head of uh, American Airlines, uh, Doug Parker, and he was talking about the bailout and all kinds things. But one thing that, uh, you know, in flight cancellations, it's a rough summer for the airline industry, even though it got $56 billion from the federal government because of pandemic disruptions and because of a wide range of things, um, including unruly people on the airlines. I just wanted to, to get some sense from you. Um, there's all kinds of things going. American and Spirit Airlines cancel hundreds of flights due to weather and staffing issues. Not enough people. The staff are dealing with major passenger incidents, Frontier Airlines crew duct taped an unruly passenger in a seat in the Miami bound flight as after he groped to attendance this past weekend. A few hours earlier, an American Eagle crew had to break up a brawl between two men and the Association of Flight Attendants is calling for criminal penalties for unruly passengers. What do you think about all this? How would you handle it? Well, Lawyer George? How would I handle yeah. it? I, I, you know, I don't know how I would handle it in the sense that I don't, no, there's anything different to do other than you get the people off the plane and you arrest them and you prosecute mm -hmm. them, particularly that guy. Um, what's his name? Cuomo? No, no, no. Um, <laughs> we'll get to Cuomo. Uh, Don't worry. On, on, yeah, on, on the Frontier Airlines <laughs> nice, guy. George. Nice, Andrew, George. Andrew. Yeah, we'll call him Andrew C. <laughs> okay. Um, in, C, in C28D. Uh -huh. No, I. You, you just have to get them off. I think the thing, the interesting thing to me is what the F is going on out yeah. there with all these people behaving like this. And I just... I I I I hate to I don't want to politicize it oh, and say that this is just part of the political realm that we yeah. are in. Mm -hmm. But I I I think there's some kind of a crisis going on in this country where people are no longer 
adhering to basic social norms or wanting to defy them. Mm -hmm. Now, this guy was probably drunk off his ass. Yes, they've they've cut. The the head of American Airlines told them they don't have liquor on the planes now. Yeah. Yeah, they they got to cut back on the alcohol. But there's there's something going on. I mean, I think I don't. Obviously, I haven't run the numbers. I'm not a statistician, but this does seem to be something statistically significant going on here. And it's some kind of a societal behavioral thing. And I'd be I'd love to hear what a social, what some kind of social science has to mm-hmm. say about this, what mm-hmm. kind of sociologist. So what do you, what, what do you imagine to do anything about it? The politicization of everything that institute, I like all the dogs in the background. We're going to leave them in the, in the thing. Don't worry. Yeah, they're unruly and they're <laughs> probably had their dog nap for the day. I'm sorry for that. But you know, it adds a little to the broadcast. So it, this is this idea of institutional decline that has been going on for years and years helped by the pandemic. And then cre- and people then getting out and then having the pandemic return, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's but it's that. But I also think there's just something there's just with a lot of people now. It's like, I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to do what I think and I'm going to live in my own reality and everybody can go, you know, fuck themselves. Yeah. And I don't know if that it's hard for me to say that it doesn't have something to do with what we've been through the last four years. So is there a solution? Do you imagine that it would just change? People will calm down? I I, I don't know. I honestly don't. Yeah, I, um, is that is that a permissible answer? Yeah, I don't know. It's fine. I you don't know. Don't know I honestly don't know. So I, I'd love to know. I'd love to know what it is that's causing all this. Right. And, you know, because it is, it does seem like it's statistically, you can see the uptick. It's real numbers. Yeah, they are real numbers. The uh, the FAA reported more than 3,000 cases of unruly behavior by passengers in the first half of 2021. This included some nearly 2,500 instances where passengers refused to comply with federal face mask mandate. I think the mask stuff began it, right? This fight over the mask. and Yeah, but the mask stuff didn't begin with the mask stuff, right? right. I mean, the mask stuff is just, if it weren't the masks, it would be something else. Right, right. Like vaccination. <laughs> It's just, it's just, people are just become, you know, there are, there are people are wanting or reverting to behaving to five-year-old behavior where it's like, oh, you're telling me to do something? I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I don't so want to do it. one of the things that's also happening is that Congress is not getting along with mask mandates or whatever. And there was a big fight over uh, the CDC extending its eviction moratorium through October 3rd, which a move that might be on shaky ground. The move only applies to areas, quote, experiencing substantial and high levels of community transmission levels. Chuck Schumer claims that's 90 percent of the country. In June, Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh uh, warned that the CDC's eviction ban was overstepping its authority. And I think Joe Biden seems to know this. Uh, but the White yeah. House wants to, states wants to distribute $46 billion in emergency rent relief. So far, only $3 billion has been dispersed. Uh, an estimated 11 million adults are behind in their rental payments. It's a really difficult question. And obviously, uh, Representative Cory Bush slept on the steps of the Capitol to call attention to it. Even if it's illegal, what do you, what do you think is going to happen here? I think it was going to get struck down by the courts. I mean, mm-hmm. they, the, the the problem is, I mean, I think there was a moratorium that Congress actually enacted into law, which is the mm-hmm. right way to do it. Right. And then that expired. And now the CDC is relying on its general authority to, to, to protect the public health, which would include, you know, lockdowns if necessary, closing mm-hmm. the border thing, right. you know, normal types of things that historically um, – Governments have done to stop pandemics and spreads of of, of, of communicable diseases, mm-hmm. and you know an eviction moratorium does not fall within that. Right? Okay. It's, there's nothing to believe that 
you know, an eviction eviction is more likely to spread COVID-19 than you going to the supermarket. Right. In fact, it's probably less so because mm-hmm. you're not going into a public place with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And this is really just an economic issue. And that's not within the purview of the CDC. The proper the proper way to do this is, again, to pass a law that says, you know, you can't have evictions for a set period of time because of the because of the because of the pandemic um if they're if they're willing to do that if congress is willing to do that and leaving apart you know the pother of substantial policy issues mm-hmm. about whether you should do that and if you really feel that you need to help renters who, who are having economic difficulty the right way to do that assuming you that's what you want to do is not to place the burden specifically on and landlords. narrowly on on landlords mm-hmm. who aren't necessarily you know they're not all Jared Kushner. Right. They could be. They could be. Cara, they could be Kara Swisher renting out her basement. I am a landlord, and it's not fair. It's not fair yeah. to you know people who own property yeah. that they should bear the entire burden of this. If right. there's going to be a burden, it should be borne by all taxpayers, and that's the idea behind yeah. the actual relief, yeah. which is the problem. Which is interesting. The housing market is also exploding. I mean, it's yeah, which is which is funny, which is sort of inconsistent with the whole eviction moratorium thing. It means right. people are moving around, <laughs> and it's like, well, if you're really serious and you thought it was a public health issue, just help. Don't, don't move. Don't move. Right. And exactly. Of course, everybody. we're not going to do that. Yeah. What do you think? Biden is just going to do it from a political point of view, and he's it makes him yeah, look well, that's, good. Like yeah, I'm trying to it help. It makes people. him look good. Well, it gets him. It gets gets certain people off his back. But the disturbing thing to me as a lawyer <laughs> is the rule of law aspect of this. Yeah. So you don't, you know, the, the president of the United States, who no matter is who he sworn is. to faithfully, no matter who he is, that's the key point. He is sworn to faithfully execute the laws, including the Constitution. And he shouldn't be doing things that he thinks are probably not legal, mm-hmm. even for political purposes, because that's that's just nobody should be doing that. It doesn't matter whether it's the issue is is the freaking wall where, where Trump illegally diverted money mm-hmm. to it. It doesn't matter whether it's um, uh, DeSantis in Florida with his social media bullshit ban, which, which violates clearly violates the First Amendment. And mm-hmm. He's obligated to follow the Constitution and the laws, too, as a public official. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter whether it's for a good purpose or not, because you know one person's good purpose may not be yours. Right. You know the good purpose may be uh, you know uh, uh, Donald Trump thinking that he should be elected president. Right. Right. When he wasn't. Right. 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 It just it's a slippery slope, and I don't mean by by saying all this to make you know an equivalency between. This the eviction ban, which is yeah. and the and the wall and 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 the attempt to overturn the 2020 election, but. You know, because that, that would be a false equivalency for me to, for example, to, to, right, to right. equate the eviction eviction moratorium. So the solution with, is to with pass what something. Trump did, but the, the the solution is to pass something. But you, but again, the problem is if one side does something, the other side will invoke some kind of false equivalency and say, "Well, if they could do this, we can do this." Right, right. Which and is, we're off to the races, and it's a very dangerous and bad. Thing. And we're on a plane and throwing really drinks at reasons. each other. We're, it's that's the well, same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, and no, that's one of the, the reasons thing. why. It's one of the reasons why I, you know, I as a, as a as a lawyer, I know, and I've always been a conservative. And it's because there had, you know, historically, to my mind and experience of my lifetime, there had been a tendency for liberals to twist the law and the Constitution, in my view, to achieve ends that they sought to achieve, which mm-hmm. weren't necessarily consistent with the statute of the Constitution, and it's one of the reasons why you know that whole rule of law concept is why I kind of. You know, I, I, I think that we have only one party that's trying to adhere to the rule of law, which is now the Democratic Party. Right. So uh, to see the, you know, to see Biden do this, it's like, listen, guys, you got it. You somebody's got to hold the fort on the rule of law. So I, you know, I really would like them to, you know, just 
you know, bite the bullet and say, let we, we can't do this. Um, uh, co- Congress absolutely has to act, though, because there are a lot of people struggling. Continue yeah, there are a lot of people. Yeah, there are a lot of people. And they, they've, they've shoveled out, you know, how I many trillions of dollars already. To everybody. Um, you know. To everybody. Yeah. In, in, too in, many. Too much. Too much. Well, some people Probably. think so. Some people don't. OK, so moving on to some politics, two small special elections in Ohio with some bigger implications. Trump-backed Republican candidate and centrist Democrat won the primary elections in a pair of open seats Tuesday. Mike Carey, a political newcomer backed by President Donald Trump, beat a field of experienced Republicans in the Columbus area. The former president's preferred candidate lost in a special election in Texas last week. Chantel Brown, a centrist backed by Hillary Clinton and the Congressional Black Caucus, uh, beat out a progressive candidate, Nina Turner, who who was backed by Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. So large candidate fields, low voter turnout. We can't read too much into these elections. But what could we say is going on about Trump and his declaration of his kingmaker status? And then the influence of the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I can't, I, I, I can't speak to what the influence of the progressive ring of the Democratic Party just by on the basis of this one, mm-hmm. you know, off year special election. Um, I will say this. I mean, I think it's the Texas race is interesting because it was a, it was a single, you know, it, it, it had a, it, it was a, not a primary, but it was a general election with mm-hmm. everybody on the, on the ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, and a spe- general special election with everyone on the t- on, on on the ballot, and um, that meant the Democrats were Democrats were voting, mm-hmm. and moderate or independents and were voting, and the Trump, you know, it just shows you that they're they're going to vote against Donald Trump's candidates, mm-hmm. and that's the problem that the Republicans have is that you know he may be able to pick in a in a primary. Um, Particular candidates. That doesn't mean they win general elections, except in in, in districts that um, are unlosable for Republicans. Yeah. So it's not necessarily a sign, but it's something to be watched for. It's something to be watched. Right. Yeah. Do you think he's a kingmaker? I. You know. I, I think he's. I think he can ruin somebody more than he's a kingmaker. Ah, that's interesting. That's what I think. He's. You know, his power is the power of destruction, which is something you've written create- about a lot. Right. He, that's what he, that's what he does. He doesn't create anything. He destroys because that's the nature of his personality. And so that's the way he exerts power in the Republican party is the threat of destruction because, you know, it, it, it may, and he may destroy himself in the process. Mm-hmm. And he kind of did do that by losing the house and the Senate and the presidency, which he could have, if he were actually competent and sane, he could have been reelected even with the pandemic, I believe. Mm-hmm. Many do. Um, and he, you know, he's, he engages in destructive conduct and that is why they all are terrified of him. Which is why they go along with it. Which is why they go along because they just they just are afraid of what he will do if they if he defies them because he'll he'll take everybody down with him. So when you talk to people behind the scenes, what is, what is the what is the attitude? We're just going to go along. I mean, obviously you've been sort of for shame for doing this. You've written a lot. Of- well, I don't know. I mean, I don't really talk to. Uh, it's hard for me to really make an assessment these days. Yeah. I don't really talk to people who, um, you know, to people who are. You know, in the Republican Party, who are just kowtowing to Trump, I just don't, yeah. I just don't have that many, you know, people to talk to about that. Right. Um, so, I, but I do think that that's just everybody is taking the path of least resistance. I think that's just the obvious, and it's just the short, you know, this incredibly short-termist view that they have been taking now for four years. It keeps 
getting them, it keeps making things worse and worse yeah, and worse. Yeah, they don't make a stand. They don't make any stand. Well, right. very few they of can't. them can't. And now, now they're almost, I, I think they're incapable of it yeah, now. Yeah, well, now they can't. They can't go back. All right, we're going to get on to our big story, your favorite one. Governor Andrew Cuomo is running out of supporters oh <laughs> following the report by New York Attorney General Letitia James detailing evidence of sexual harassment and creating a toxic work environment. President Biden, Nancy Pelosi, New York's entire Democratic congressional delegation said he should step down. Over 80 New York State Assembly lawmakers said they would support starting a process of impeachment if Cuomo doesn't resign, which is, takes a longer t- amount of time, a couple of months. Rudy Giuliani does seem to be one prominent defender, which is not great. Uh, Giuliani tweeted, Cuomo may be guilty, but we used to have trials of four convictions, which is a fair point, Rudy. That's what Cuomo's Democratic allies denied President Trump. He's using it for that. There would be poetic justice if they did that to Cuomo, but it would be unjust, dangerous, and entirely un-American. So what what do you think about this? And I'll, I'll ask various questions about the video Cuomo put out and stuff like that. From a from, Talk from a legal point of view, because Letitia James did not bring legal charges, although other other jurisdictions are looking at that. Let me let me take a step back there. An unwanted touching is technically criminal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he felt up this executive assistant, mm-hmm. and technically you could charge that. Um, do people get charged for things that don't involve like ripping people's clothes off and physical and you know stuff we I don't really want to talk about? Um, probably not. Is it necessarily sexual harassment? It probably is, actually, in terms of the, the mm-hmm. civil aspect of it. To me, the bigger con- the question is, who is this man? And why do you want to have somebody, and I don't, and I, I think everybody, the answer of the Democrats is that they don't, mm-hmm. have somebody who is just this abusive and self and narcissistic in a position of authority mm-hmm. over people? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, you don't. And that's the real problem here. I mean, this, this, the, the two things, the thing about this is that the, what put him over, I think, put him, sent him over the cliff mm-hmm. were the first two accounts mm-hmm. in the report. The one with the executive assistant that he called into the office on the weekend mm-hmm. and then made a pass at, mm-hmm. uh, to use the 1950s lingo. And then the state trooper one, which was just gross. Mm-hmm. Um, even though the physical contact there was brief, the whole context of it was just, you know, it's just abusive. Mm-hmm. And I think the two, the combination of those two, more so than some of the others, which everybody already knew about, mm-hmm. I think that just put him over the put him over the edge politically. Although, you know, some of the others were pretty bad too. But legally, he is not in jeopardy criminally, correct? I, I don't think so. I think you could technically you could bring a, a, a but, charge, but prosecutors a physical don't do assault, that, right? but it's a, they don't generally don't do that. Right. I, I generally don't do that. And, you know, I mean, sexual harassment, you know, to, to me, it's like it's a multi to, to measure how bad it is, is a multidimensional thing. Mm-hmm. You have the degree of the physical, you know, aspect of it. You have the degree of the verbal aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And you have also sort of the number of times it's repeated right, right. with one person and others. Right. And, you know, and also the credibility aspect of Sim, you know, contemporaneous corroboration. Mm-hmm. Did the did the victim tell people at the time or right. relatively soon after? And here, okay, the physical aspect of it was, 
you know, it wasn't rape, wasn't sexual assault. This is this is a legal person thinking about and it was, this. And, and it, it was legal. And it was, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just making an assessment right. of how bad it is in terms of like, do you give somebody the employment death penalty? In right. Do you fire them? Do you kick them out of their job? Or you just tell them, you know, cut the shit. Right. And, you know, for, for if, he, if there had just been like one or two of these incidents leaving apart the groping, you might be able to say in, in an employment context, cut the shit. Although, they don't really tolerate much of that these days. Right. Um, he'd be fired out of any, you know, he'd be a CEO of, of, of a major corporation. He'd be gone. Mm-hmm. And to me, because of the fact he did it with so many people and it's clear that he disregards. Yeah, it's 11 women claiming harassment. It's 11 women, you know, and not all of them were, were hugely, if it, again, not all of them were just like hugely awful. Mm-hmm. But when you put it all together, it's awful. Right. And it just shows you his mentality and, he, you know, there's his 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 perception of a droit de seigneur. Is that how you say it? Yes, um, that's exactly and, how you say it. And it's exactly how you say it. And it's just, you just don't want somebody it's it's a bad example. Yeah. And and to me, the thing about it is, is if you wouldn't permit this in the private sector, you shouldn't, you absolutely should not permit it in the public How sector. Do you and that think- was always one of the points I like to make about Trump was if he were in any other job. He would be fired. He'd have been gone. Yeah. He would have been gone. Yeah. He would have never been. So yeah. when you look at how Letitia James handled this, and obviously there's you know rumors she's going to run for governor, right? That seems likely in this case. A lot of AGs have jumped from there to the governor's seat uh, or tried to. How do you think she handled it? She put it in an outside firm. Yeah, I think that was absolutely the right approach. That was absolutely the right approach. Um, it insulated her. From the political um, political aspect of it, these are two professionals who have professional reputations and who are doing this, um, you know, and being brought in especially for this. And remember, guess who asked for this? Mm-hmm. He did. Cuomo asked yeah. for this. Okay, here you are. Here it is. Mm-hmm. So you know, he's got no business complaining. Um, well, he did. About he said it, it was and political in his video. What do you? What do you? Well, I know, but he's got no business complaining about it. And the facts are the facts. They released. You know, they released. They they they, they described the testimony in excruciating detail and released tons and tons of exhibits. And you don't have to read very far to come to the conclusion that okay, this if one half of this is true, he should go. Right. Right. So you thought so, she handled it well the way she. From yeah, I think she handled it. I think she handled it very very well. And he obviously did not. You mm-hmm. see that huge controversy of them trying to trash um, Lindsey Boylan. Oh, Lindsey Boylan. Yes. Know. Yeah. They did that. They, yeah, can, they which continued. Which was just sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Which is. Yeah. I can see where they were going because at that point there was really ju- it was really just her, and she did leave the office, their mm-hmm. office, on bad terms, and apparently there were people there who didn't like her. And yeah, but that's how they so do it. That's so how forth. they but, do those things. But uh, but uh, but. Anytime you attack a victim, particularly when you don't have the facts on your side in terms of the Sexual Harassment Act, mm-hmm. you're just you're just you're just going to blow yourself up. And if you go out and you defend the alleged perpetrator mm-hmm. without knowing all the facts, you just have to assume that with some of these guys, there's so much under the waterline that you can't see right. at first. Which was and which you're what just, happened here. Which it was so true here because these guys, these guys who do this shit. Mm-hmm. It's usually they're recidivistic. Mm-hmm. We now know that. Yeah. Right? So you know, it's not just one. You know, it's just not one thing. Like he just sort of like by, was yeah. enamored of this one woman. Yeah, you know, no. t- t- they typically when they engage in this kind of conduct, it's like they just think they have they can get away with it. 
which amazes me in 2021 that you could ever think that. I think he's brazening it out, but I think he's doing a Trump. Oh, Everyone's yeah. talked about that. They, the video. Ar- this guy, this guy's a narcissist. Okay? Yes. He's a world-class narcissist. Right. But what, Not, what do you think you of know, his video? Like I did. I do it with everyone, black and white, young and old, straight and uh, LGBTQ, powerful people, friends, strangers, oh, people who God. I meet on the street. I was uh, like, you know, you're a creep with everybody or what? He, he was. What do, you, what do you think about that? It's a bad faith false equivalency, right? Yeah, I so mean, what would just, you do if you were his lawyer? I, I think the only argument you can make is it, it, maybe it's not a high crime or misdemeanor. I don't know what the standard is for impeachment under the New York State Constitution. Mm-hmm. That these things, you know, I, I think he's got to go full contrition mode. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a little late for that. Yeah. And basically say this is these are not grounds for removal of a governor but also engage in full contrition mode. But the problem is he can't really engage in all full contrition mode because some of the allegations are so bad. And he's locked himself in testimonially. Yeah, right. Right. He's not, he's, you know, if he, if he basically all of a sudden says, yes, I'm sorry, I did all this stuff. He can't do that with the stuff he's denied because then he, then he's only, then he's basically admitting the perjury, which mm-hmm. is a crime. Right. Right. And, um, and actually that could be, I guess you, maybe that would be one aspect you could throw in, in, in an impeachment trial is that, he, he may have perjured himself. Right. He's denying, denying, if he's denying, yeah. he's denying, you know, the, the grope and he's denying the, the touching of the state trooper and so on and so forth. Lastly, what happens with the civil cases here? Obviously, people could, there's other cases being looked at in Manhattan, I think, in, in, in Albany. What, what happens now from a legal point of view with him? Or does he just, are these just civil cases that will, that he will uh, have I guess to they're, do? I mean, these individuals, if they, if they choose to, could sue him. Mm-hmm. And the law is actually, is pretty hard. Uh, at least the federal law is pretty tough on sexual harassment claims mm-hmm. because you have to, I mean, you have to show that, there, that there's, there's this pervasive problem that really makes the, you know, alters the conditions of employment in such a fashion that it's different mm-hmm. for a one person of one gender and different for another. But if you read the stories of these women, yeah. um, you know, the, you go into the office every day and you dread it. I guess his best defense, weirdly, would be he's such an asshole. Yeah. That everybody was miserable there for yes. different reasons, perhaps, but everybody was different there. And that's something that the report actually talks about. Yeah, Elizabeth Spears screamer, wrote about it. Jerk. Screamer and mm-hmm. a yeller and, a, and, 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 a, and, and just a psychological abuser. So that oddly, that would be his best defense is that he was he mistreated everybody, um, both men and women, although, frankly, he mistreated women in a way that was a bit different mm-hmm. because of the sexual aspect of it. Um, than men. So do you think he's going to be impeached? That's probably where it's going. Yes, I think he's going to be impeached or removed. Removed. Okay. All right, George, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the insurrection hearings and take a listener mail question. Support for Pivot comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software, including Jira, Confluence, and Trello, help power the collaboration for teams to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR, and legal, can stay connected and moving together as one towards shared, company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. 
Atlassian. Support for Pivot comes from Klaviyo. When you're marketing your business, there's a ton of data to keep track of, and you need the right tool to help you make sense of it all. For that, you might want Klaviyo in your arsenal. Klaviyo helps brands get smarter with their marketing. Their AI is built differently than anyone else. It combines a ton of real-time and historical customer data points for you in full detail and makes sense of it all for you. It guides you with predictive analytics, so when you use Klaviyo AI, you get smarter insights without all the heavy lifting. You can more accurately see what your customers want and when they want it. You can work smarter and be more confident in your decision-making. You can join brands who've optimized their marketing strategy with Klaviyo AI, including, for example, men's personal care brand Everyman Jack. They've used Klaviyo's AI-powered predictive analytics to generate personalized predictions about each of their subscribers. That, in turn, helped them deliver top-notch customer experiences and drive more revenue. Klaviyo powers smarter digital relationships. Visit klaviyo.com slash vox to learn more. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash vox. Okay, George, we're back with another big story. The latest revelations coming out of the investigations into the January 6th attack on the Capitol. ABC News got a hold of reviewed a collection of uh, Justice Department documents turned over to the House and Senate committees. First off, there were some emails at the end of December 2020 where the former acting head of the DOJ's civil di- division, wandering out of his area, Jeffrey Clark, circulating a draft letter asking George's governor and state lawmakers to investigate claims of voter fraud in the state. He was trying to get acting Attorney General Jeffrey Rosen and acting Deputy Attorney General Richard Donahue to sign off on this letter. They refused. Then there was the draft of an unsent resignation letter that Rosen's chief of staff uh, wrote in case Rosen got fired during the January 6th meeting with Trump. He didn't, but the letter detailed his intent to resign over what he said were former president's direct instructions to use the department to support a false uh, election fraud claims. Rosen and Donahue later thwarted an attempt by Clark to have Trump appoint him acting attorney general. So, wow, the Justice Department is quite a place. What, tell, tell us about what your insights into what was going on here from a legal point of view and also a p- political point of view in a place well, that's not supposed to be I mean, I think po- legal and politically, I mean, basically what was happening here was Donald Trump was trying to politicize the Justice Department, to use the Justice Department in an illegal fashion to perpetuate himself in office. And he was doing it in a manner that reflected the fact that he didn't really care whether there was proof of what of the fraud that he was claiming had been perpetrated upon him. I mean, he told Rosen and Donahue, basically, don't worry about the facts. Just say, just say, yeah, that there might that there be was rape, fraud, rape. and we'll take care of the rest. There was this note in Donahue's right. notes that basically said, you know, I and uh, Trump and the, the the Republicans in the House will take care of it. Right. So, um, you know, it that to me the. Those those documents show they they really show as much as anything else. Those his criminal intent, right? Yeah, you you tweeted because, that. You tweeted that. Yeah, absolutely. Because they just show that he he absolutely was he didn't care about the legal aspects of it. He didn't actually want the Justice Department to do something that would argue that might be within its purview, which would mm-hmm. be to enforce the law. He didn't actually care. He just wanted them to make a statement that he could use politically. And under the under that the, the criminal provision of the Hatch Act, you cannot 
force mm-hmm. or try to coerce anybody. You couldn't mm-hmm. that includes the president of the United States can't do this, can't try to coerce anybody into engaging into political activity. And this was purely political, precisely because they were basically telling him there's nothing legally that we can do because the facts aren't there and that's not really our role. And he's just saying, so what? Mm-hmm. You know, make this statement and and make this statement in effect for his own political benefit. So what what happens then? This has happened time and again. Well, I, I, again, I, I, I wish. I mean, I, I wish the Justice Department now would engage in the enforcement of the criminal law against Donald Trump, mm-hmm. because this is a pretty clear violation right here. Mm-hmm. Um, you could argue that some other statutes were violated, and now in terms of other things that Trump did, the fact that he just didn't care about what the facts were yes. and just blew past the facts, and the fact that he told. The Georgia Secretary of State that he you yeah. know, just needed to find ten thousand x yeah. number of votes, yeah. um, you know, just shows basically that he was he was he was attempting to steal the election himself. Right. He was attempting to do what he was accusing everybody else of sure. doing, and that should be criminal under under federal and state law. And I, I just don't, you know, I understand the hesitance of the Justice Department to get into this because it's it's because mm-hmm. he will politicize. It's it. politically yeah. fraught. Yeah. But I, I don't I don't know how you can let this pass. Yeah, but they seem like they're going to. Because now Roth, and Rosen and Donahue are expected to provide interviews in coming days. This is why Donald Trump doesn't like lawyers. They take notes. They take notes. Yeah. Right. I know there's a there's famous passage in the Mueller report where he was trashing lawyers. McGahn for taking notes. Mm-hmm. And McGahn says, no, 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 no. Good lawyers take notes. And then Trump said, oh, no, no. I had I had great lawyers like Roy Cohn. And they never they never <laughs> took notes. But yeah, I think you're going to hear. I mean, the story was basically they knew the election wasn't stolen. They knew this was all bullshit. Barr knew it, which is why he basically quit mm-hmm. um, because he told Trump that and Trump had had enough with mm-hmm. him. And I think the rest of them who were left after Barr left uh, were basically trying to run out the clock and they were fending off these demands and requests and emails and, mm. you know, bullshit um, emanating from the White House and just trying to run out the clock to January 20th to the point. But also there was this point on January 3rd where Trump was ready to fire right. Rosen. Rosen and replace him with this guy you mentioned, Jeffrey Clark, who was the um, assistant attorney general in terms of the environmental and natural resources dis- dis- um, division and then had become acting head of the civil division and who basically was all in on the cons- on the on the on the stop the steal and was doing all sorts of crazy stuff and was having conversations directly with Trump and try angling to be the replacement. So, so what happens to him? And, what happens to him? A lot of people are talking about disbarring him. Uh, I don't I, I don't know. I, I I think I'd have to know more facts mm-hmm. uh, about what he did but because you when you get disbarred for something usually it's for yeah. you'd, you'd have to do something if he had filed something in court that was dishonest, right. if he had made a public statement in connection with a case like Rudy Giuliani did, mm-hmm. you could get suspended or disbarred, which is what happened to Giuliani. Mm-hmm. You know, here he was just doing, he was engaging in bad conduct within the confines of the government, although really not acting on behalf of the government. Right. I don't think he ended up actually doing anything. So he just- Maybe you could, maybe you could, maybe you could get him on on conspiracy to. But that's difficult. Engage in, you know, yeah, it's difficult. I just don't see, you know, because he was thwarted. I don't think there are necessarily going to be any um, 
ramifications for him other than I, I don't know if he's, he'll ever get a job again. Or, you know, you did you did tweet it. This is a criminal intent, but you think this is going nowhere. Right. Yeah. I don't so, think. I, yeah, I, I think that's What right. about the committee uh, calling McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy and Jordan? This is another proceeding. It's a political proceeding, but it's also a legal proceeding to find an investigation. No, I think they I think they have to. Mm -hmm. I think particularly McCarthy, because we already know that there was some kind of conversation or conversations that day between McCarthy and Trump. Mm -hmm. And we know pieces of those conversations. We need to have, I think, testimony from basically everybody who spoke with Trump that day, right. because that's one of the big sort of the gaps in our knowledge. We have these books that are coming out yeah. where people are unloading their stories about how they tried, they, they tried to tell the president right. or they tried to tell somebody who told the president mm -hmm. that, oh, you know, this is terrible. You have to go on TV. You have to tell these people to stop and go home and, and, and so on and so forth. And he basically dragged his feet for many hours. Mm -hmm. Well, what was he saying? Mm -hmm. These books, you know, written by, you know, these, these great reporters like Bender and, 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 and Carol Lennig and, and Phil Rucker, they don't actually have that much on what Trump was actually doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was more reporting actually in the days immediately following January 6th about what Trump was doing. And there was a, a Washington Post story mm -hmm. that said basically had some White House person saying that Trump was an absolute monster that day, you know, not for attribution. Mm -hmm. And you have, um, you know, some reporting from the New York Times that's saying that somebody had said that he had lost mm -hmm. it. And there was some reporting from I don't know which newspaper about how Cipollone was essentially saying you could be criminally or yes. civilly or criminally liable for mm -hmm. this. We don't have a lot of detail on that. And we don't have a lot of detail on what Trump was doing, mm -hmm. right? In the vendor book, or I don't know which book it was. Actually, maybe they, they all the, meld um, into each other. They all meld together. They like they they were bringing. They kept having to bring. Meadows kept bringing Ivanka yeah. down to 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 calm Trump. According down to a to source close to, to Ivanka Trump, and if they were if they were right, any yeah, exactly, if they were any right. closer, right, right, right. they'd be on the other side of them. But go ahead. <laughs> right, right. They might be right. They, they, that's a source with blonde hair and and tall and blonde hair and whatever. And um, what 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 was the response? We don't hear about like, oh, well, he screamed back or he said, yeah, I know you're right. You're right. I'm just so I'm just I'm just so shocked at this. I can't go on television. So they need, right so they need to be. Yeah. They had to find out what he said. What he said. What, what, what did he say and do? Yeah. What was he want? Well, he was watching TV. All, all right. Final question. Here. Will we, they do that? Yes, Will they do that? Yeah, they're going to, well, I mean, do what? Get, call, call people, people testify? To. Absolutely. They they absolutely they have a moral and ethical and legal and constitutional obligation to do all that. Kinzinger has said that they're going to do that. They're going to do, um, they're going to definitely call, they have to call McCarthy. Um, Jordan seems to be hiding something. If you've seen his statements yes. on television, yes. when they ask him, did you talk to Trump? He's like, oh, I had ice cream on Thursday. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, he's just, he's just avoiding it. What about it Trump and, himself? And all these people. What about Trump himself? Yeah, I, absolutely. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call him in in a live hearing mm -hmm. unless I were having him cross-examined by a guy like like, like Barry Burke. Mm -hmm. um, I think what I would do first first before with De basically almost all these people is take their depositions, depositions, have good lawyers go down there and make these people sit in a room for five hours and and take their depositions right. under penalty of perjury. Right. And that's what I would do with Trump. We'll see. And Trump, you know, Trump for all the things that he has done over the last few years. He hasn't even had his deposition taken on any no, of them. No, he has It's just shocking. Yeah. The civil cases, the criminal cases, he's not. He's managed to avoid even having to answer. You know, he and he can't. You know, he can't answer questions. Yeah, so that's the problem. Truthfully, under oath, which is one. You know, that that's why his lawyers fought so hard not to have him even interviewed by the Mueller people. Reader. Exactly. So we likely is not. He will probably not be. All right, George. We have to pivot to a listener question. Roll tape. <laughs> 
You've got, you've got. I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You, you, you've got mail. Katie here from Madison, Wisconsin. My question for you is, do you think social media companies like Facebook will face the risk in the next five to 10 years of major class action lawsuits? Um, we've seen this with uh, tobacco companies and most recently with the opioid crisis and with all the discussion you talk around its effects of depression and other mental illnesses. Was just curious what your thoughts are on this. What do you think, George? What do you, where, what's going to happen with lawsuits with these companies? Possible or is it going to be? I don't think they're going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, in terms of the, dis, the specific disinformation, you know, I think that Section 230 protects them. Mm-hmm. Um and I think generally the First Amendment protects them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you would, uh, I don't know how you would put together a claim that says that, you know, going on Facebook causes depression. I don't think the causation, you, mm-hmm. you know, I think you might, there may be a correlation, but I don't think you could show the kind of causation that uh, would be necessary to establish a legal claim. And I don't, I just don't know, I don't just don't see how you, you would hold these companies liable for this sort of thing. I just don't see it. So do where, what, what legal challenges do they face? Is it more just federal laws around antitrust and things like that? I, I don't even think the antitrust things um, pan out because... Um, explain, explain. You know, Facebook, Facebook is... You can't define... I mean, one of the things that government sometimes does in antitrust cases is define the actual... The, you have to show in an antitrust case that somebody is engaging in monopolistic conduct or... Mm-hmm. Uh, in in uh, controlling controlling the market and in a, in a defined product, all right. If you define the product as Facebook, yeah, Facebook has a monopoly of you know Facebook, but there are so many. You know, Facebook competes with so many other avenues of communication and miscommunication, mm-hmm. um, whether it be Twitter, whether it be just message boards, and and and, and so on and so forth, that you can't really. I, you can't really define a market in a manner mm-hmm. that would allow you, I think, to bring an antitrust case against against um, Facebook for controlling, I guess, information flow. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, I, I just don't see that. So where does it go? Does it? Do they have to look at this? Has to be sort of a legislative to they remove like. Liability protections. Now, most people think that should not happen because it would be disastrous from a business point of view. But um, yeah, but how do you look at if something like that? This this law protects them on all. It's sort of a get out of jail free card for everything. Correct. I mean, is that yeah? And I think you basically you couldn't have you know you couldn't have anything. You couldn't have Twitter. You couldn't have Facebook if you didn't have essentially Section two hundred and thirty mm-hmm. because you can't you know every I, I I could go you know either of us could go on Twitter in. 10 seconds and libel somebody mm-hmm. and then Twitter would be held liable for that. And they basically would shut down pretty quickly. Right. So I, you know, I, I just don't know how you deal. I don't know what the happy medium is between allowing this sort of unrestricted free speech and shutting it down altogether in a manner that's consistent. I don't know how you do it, frankly, in, in consistent with the First Amendment, but um, I, I don't know what the solution is to this. I honestly don't know. Well, I think more. More more sites. That's my, my argument is more sites. Yeah, yeah I think that's, well, more sites. I got more sites, though, but what if all the sites are like, you know, Getter? Or what, yeah. How do you pronounce Getter. that? Getter. I'm on Getter. You're on Getter, right. You and, the, you and ISIS, I gather, <laughs> yeah. now is on Getter. Yeah. Um, and porn, gosh. and porn. Let's not leave out the I tried to get. I tried to get on Getter. Did they let you on? No. What? They, I don't know how I tried. I tried, but for some reason it kept rejecting. Oh, that you might you might be in their 
blacklist. I, I think I'm on a blacklist, <laughs> right? Because basically, it, you're, you're supposed to enter. You enter your Twitter handle. Yes, right. And oh, you must be okay, on a blacklist. I, said, I did that, and I think I'm on a blacklist. Oh my! God. I can talk to Jason Miller for you if you want. Just offer. <laughs> yeah, no, I, no, I was going to get AJ Delgado to do it for me. <laughs> We're not going to explain that reference at all. So are there any legal implications for these companies? You're right. The First Amendment does, when people, what's really interesting is someone like Trump, who's demanding to be back on these platforms, saying it's his First Amendment right. But the First Amendment rights lie with these companies, not with Trump, correct? Correct. And he's right. And he's not going to get back on. And and his claims are bullshit because they're not the state. Um, I don't know. I mean, first of all, what are you trying to do with these? That's step one. We have to ask, well, what do you want these companies to do that they're not doing. Mm -hmm. And I think ideally you would want them to filter out the misinformation better. But if you start trying to force them to do that in some manner, Mm -hmm. you're, you know, you, you're, you're almost, you're coercing speech or you're coercing. And I don't know how you can do that with, with the first amendment. It's a very dangerous path to go on because what if the next Trump administration, um, you know, coerces a company not to in- allow criticism of MAGA mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, right. You, you can't, it, that's the problem. That's why we have a First Amendment. And, you know, I don't think the framers really understood what could be possible, um, you know, in their era of people doing pamphleting. cranking primitive printing presses and pamphleteering. I think judges will knock yeah. this down. That's where it's going to go. No, judges will never tolerate it because we have we have a very firm and, and strong First Amendment tradition that basically says that you cannot engage in contra- um, in regulation that is not content neutral. Right. And even, you know, even trying to fend off disinformation is not, that's not content neutral. Although, you know, I mean, false speech is actually protected by the first. Right, but these companies can that. make we, those rules. These companies are these companies have every every ability to make these rules. I think the question is, are they willing to do that in a manner? You know, do they think they can do that in a manner that doesn't hurt their business model? And the second manner is, is can they do it effectively? How effectively can yeah. they do it? Because this is they're, they're so long. So, are there any legal uh, avenues for people who are having problems with this? From your perspective, if you were trying to fight no. big tech, no. No, no, I don't think I would so. agree with you, George. I have to say that. All right, George, one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. Support for the show comes from Fiverr, the world's largest marketplace for freelance services. In the fast-paced world of business, every decision counts. And when it comes to hiring, there's no room for guesswork. That's why Fiverr has developed solutions for business to make outsourcing projects simple, quick, and compliant. You can gain access to curated talent through Fiverr Pro's catalog of top freelancers organized by skills and experience. Plus, you can streamline your projects with a user-friendly dashboard where you can track progress and collaborate with your team. Fiverr Pro is perfect for businesses that want to work with top talent for immediate or long-term needs. And for anyone needing the highest level of white glove service, Fiverr Pro's project partners can manage multiple freelancer engagements for you. Project partners will outline requirements, assemble a roster of freelancers, and manage a schedule to ensure your deliverables are completed on time, allowing you to flex your budget without any headcount constraints. Ready to scale smarter? Visit pro.fiverr.com to sign up and use code PIVOT for 15% off any service. That's pro.fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com and use code PIVOT. 
Support for this show comes from Fiverr, the world's largest marketplace for freelance services. In the fast-paced world of business, every decision counts. And when it comes to hiring, there's no room for guesswork. That's why Fiverr has developed solutions for businesses to make outsourcing projects simple, quick, and compliant. You can gain access to curated talent through Fiverr Pro's catalog of top freelancers, organized by skill and experience. Streamline your projects with a user-friendly dashboard, where you can track progress and collaborate with your team. And for anyone needing the highest level of white glove service, Fiverr Pro's project partners can manage multiple freelancer engagements for you. Project partners will outline requirements, assemble a roster of freelancers, and manage a schedule to ensure your deliverables are completed on time. Ready to scale smarter? Visit pro.fiverr.com to sign up and use code VOX for 15% off any service. That's pro.fiverr.com and use code VOX. Okay, George, each week we like to make a prediction. It can be about anything. Give us one of yours. I think Giuliani's going to get indicted soon. Mm, tell, explain. And I think that, you know, because of his recent interview, mm -hmm. he gave an interview to a W, I guess it was WNBC mm -hmm. TV news reporter in, in Manhattan, who was interviewing him for the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Mm -hmm. And they were down at the 9-11 site at the memorial. And he just starts spouting off about how unfairly he's being treated by the government. I mean, I'm, I'm more than willing to go to jail if they want to put me in jail. And if they do, they're going to suffer the consequences in heaven. I'm not. But I didn't do anything wrong. Why are you willing to go to jail if you, if you feel that you're innocent? Because they lie. I mean, these are not the words of somebody who thinks they're not going to be indicted. Okay. okay. Um, so, so you I think, think he will be? He's, that's one of the next shoes that's going to go. And be disbarred, correct? He has. Yeah, I don't think, he, yeah, I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to have, a, have a, any, a leg to stand on when they actually have a disciplinary hearing that, to, to confirm whether or not he should be suspended. And, um, you know, and he's his other problem, reportedly, according to Maggie Haberman of the Times, is he's basically broke at this point. Yes, yes. So I don't know how he defends himself from all this stuff. Yeah. So what a fall. It's actually kind of sad. It is. Think about it. 20 years hence, right? Okay. And he could have just, you know, he had a, he had a nice sinecure. He could have just stuck to that. And, and um, it's just inexplicable. Well, he just can't quit him. That's how, you know, he just can't. He can't do it. You can see no. it. You can see it. It's just self-destruct. It is. It's it's a lot of things going on there, I think. Oh, that's an excellent prediction. All right. How soon? How soon do you suspect? Soon. I, I'm not going to hazard yeah. that, but it'll be, it'll happen this year, probably in the fall. It's just my, I mean, just wild ass guess based on no, no specific information. Um, so I disclaim it as a wild ass guess, but oh, yeah. you just can't, I, I, it's a prediction. It's a prediction. All right, George. Thank you so much. This is really helpful. These are really good. That's a really good prediction. I think you're absolutely correct, though. Um, and I think you're correct about these uh, these Facebooks and others. I don't think there is an avenue. I think laws, if they want to pass new laws around them, around privacy and data and things like that, that's the avenue to go in because then you— then Yeah, you, and, I, and moral suasion. Yeah, yeah. Moral suasion. Well, yeah, but I mean, if you just pass data and privacy laws that makes their business not quite as, uh, you know, interested in creating rage and anger, that will— that would help a lot. Just basic rules around data privacy. And those are certainly completely legal to do. And, and, and you mean, and that would be basically so that you can't use 
data on what people are yes. looking at to encourage to dump more of that same yes, shit on Yes, exactly. There's all kinds of business. Which is the problem. That feedback, pro- that's the intentional feedback. Yep. Yep. There's all kinds of things they can do to make these businesses. And then also encourage innovation so that there's more. Um, you may or not like Getter, and I, I'm sorry you can't get on it, but it's more like that is great. I don't, I don't care what they are. Yeah. More, the more, the better. And the more innovation there is, the better. Anyway, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Have a great rest of the Thank summer. Thank you for having me. Uh, don't, for, don't forget if there's a story in the news and you're curious about and want to hear more our opinion on, go to nymag.com slash pivot to submit your question for the show. Today's show was produced by Lara Naiman and Evan Engel. Ernie Enderdot engineered this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Mm-hmm.